equity of up to £150 million. You're in the theatre, fine, you're here to win games. We want to try to reduce this gap. I think that uh, a good team has to be good uh, to recognize uh, different phases during the game. Welcome into the Tottenham Depot. It is episode 107. A little pop-in midweek action for you here. Champions League action. Spurs fall at the San Siro 1-0 to AC Milan. Uh, I am your host, Andrew. I've got Scott here alongside to uh, rap about this one for a little bit. Uh, Scott is at DSM Spurs. Scott, how you doing, man? Doing good, man. Doing good. Just wrapping my work today, which never never sucks. Um, shitty, shitty match today. I guess it was two of the round of 16s, less, less fine teams, right? Squaring yeah. off against one another. It's maybe like this pod, just two bald guys just having a chat back and forth right but no I'd, very very positive. mediocre very mediocre looking guys <laughs> just looking at each other talking about two very mediocre teams uh <laughs> exactly very fitting but yeah all, all in all pretty good day man not a great result but always nice to to chat with uh with yourself and others as todd would say so uh, it is. Uh, it's kind of something we talked about coming into this match. We 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 previewed this a little bit during our weekend pod and talked about the fact that AC Milan are not good. Uh, they are struggling in 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 Syria this year and have been on a terrible terrible run of form. They won last Friday. It was their first win in more than a month. And coming into this match, you just looked at these two two teams and you just thought, my goodness, this is going to be just the anti-football of all football matches. And that's kind of, I think, a little bit of what we got, even though one side ended up on top. I, I want to preface this conversation that we're going to have by saying I'm not really all that disappointed in the way that Spurs played today. I thought this was okay for for what they had. I know a lot of people will will be on will be a little bothered by that. I mean they they produced barely anything offensively. Uh, produced just over half a goal of XG compared to Milan, which had uh, 1.62 XG. But it didn't even feel that drastic to me. And I still think Spurs, obviously, with the return leg uh, on March 8th at home in North London, I still think Spurs have a really good chance to advance out of this tie despite losing the first leg on the road 1-0. How do you feel about that overall before we dive into the game? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't disagree with you. I mean, I think that there's every reason to think that we can go get a result at home that sees us get through the group. Um, but I'm not surprised by what I saw today. And I think like you, you know, we invest plenty of our time and our thoughts and our ideas into into this team, right? And because of that, I, I just, we're not surprised by what we saw today, right? Is is the long and the short of it, but we understand the situation. I think you know, the, the group at Paramount Plus uh, said it best today, and I believe it was Micah Richards who said Spurs' back line just is, is not at the level of round of 16 Champions League straight up, right? And then you consider the fact that Benteker and PEH are probably middle of the pack for round of 16 teams when it comes to your pivot, right? They're very good, but there's a lot of teams with a better pivot than them, right? And then you consider neither of them are even here I think that a one nil result isn't horrible, right? I think if we if we bury a chance or two, maybe we draw today, right? They could have buried a few more as well, is why I say that. But 
ultimately, I don't think the wheels are uh, are falling off by any means, and I don't think it's any different than it was a week ago at the club, right? You you brought up the the midfield, and let's let's actually start there so we can start positively, and then we'll dig into some more of 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 what I want to get into here in terms of uh, digging some players out. Um, I, this midfield, we we knew coming in, this midfield was going to be a midfield of Oliver Skip and Pat Matesar because of Hoybier being suspended due to yellow cards, Bentecourt's injury. We you know we've confirmed now he's out for the season, uh, ruptured ACL, um, Ibasuma dealing with an injury. So we we knew the midfield was going to look like this, and ironically enough, I think the midfield for us that two man midfield of Skip and Sar was the best part of this team today, especially when you look at Papsar. I thought Papsar had a really good game, and he doesn't do anything super flashy on the offensive or the defensive side, but I think he's just a really solid player, and we've seen this in glimpses that he, when he's gotten on the pitch, and I thought Ali Skip was was fine as well. I, I, I don't. It's hard to praise these two players because neither of them have a, a ton of flash like I said, offensively or defensively, but I just thought they were both very solid. Well, and honestly, for, for for a team that didn't really play that well, I thought they were the best part of it. Fully agreed. I mean, I think they were the most composed on the ball today of anybody on the team. And I I think it's it's worth pointing out, you know, that that position in this formation is very industrious. Like it's not going to stand out, right? It's just right. receive the ball, move the ball, receive the ball, move the ball get to the right space, receive the ball, move the ball, like it, whatever, you get it, I'll stop. But because of that, it's never going to to stand out, you know, uh, to 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 maybe the fan who's, who's casually watching soccer, what a good job they're doing, right? And I think, you know, you understand that, but I'm just talking into the void. I think we should keep that in mind anytime we're looking at the performance of a midfield in this formation under Conte. Popsar and Skip were very good today. And this was the first time for me that I have watched Popsar play and say, holy shit, now I know exactly why we won't, 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 won't move this guy on. Like, we are holding on to this player. I don't see him every day at training, but I'd imagine he looks like that pretty often at training, right? And no wonder we're, we're, we're coveting this player right now. Um, Skip too is has always been solid. I mean, injuries have been his biggest enemy, but he's always been a very good player. And Conte put him right into the eleven when he took over this club eighteen months ago or whatever it was, right? So, yeah, I think every reason to think those two can do a good job. Um, you know, I think any any critique of them comes from more from the formation itself than anything they did wrong, right? I, I could pick on the tactic all day right now, but I'll I have nothing bad to say about the two of them because they were fantastic. Antonio Conte was was praising the, the midfield as well, saying that, you know, obviously I, I I think I think Antonio Conte knew he had to start these two players today just because of the position he was he was put in. And he says he he needs to trust these players. But I think he's saying that, you know, he he has to trust them out of necessity, but he also has to trust them because he's got to start trusting players like this to step up during a season like this where injury crisis is is hitting and fixture pileup is is hitting and uh, it's just going to be a busy couple of months for this club, and and you're going to need to rely on players like this. Um, and it's like I like I just I'm I would I can appreciate what those two players were able to offer in a midfield today. And like you said, it's very much a a metronome type of role in this setup. But I think that they did that very well. 
Um, mm-hmm. And I have I have no problem with with the way that they played. Well, I, and and real quick too, before we move on on Popstar, I mean, if you think about it today, that's technically midfielders four and five in a five man t- setup, right? Popstar is not number four anymore, in my opinion. And, and I know it's one performance, but he's probably number three now. And Basum is going to have to work pretty hard when he comes back from injury because. And I'm saying this not to point out Basuma at all. Basuma is a great player and he'll be fine, but I'm just emphasizing how good Popstar looked today because he is a fucking player, especially the, he made a few tackles where he won back possession for us mm-hmm. um, when we really needed it and probably could have scored had we done a better job with the possessions that he won back. And that's something that I, re- that really stood out today for, for me with Popstar. The one thing I will put the exclamation point on is that I think that this midfield looks really good in a in a Champions League setting against a team like Milan. I don't think this midfield is a week in week out midfield in the Premier League because I think they will get run over in a two man setup like that. Yeah, well, I think as we've kind of seen, the two man setup gets fucking run over every week in the Premier League, regardless of who it is. Right. So I think I agree with you. I, I don't necessarily want to see a, a, a pop star skip uh, pivot in the Premier League. We're going to. Out yeah, of it, it, right? yeah, again, out of necessity, we're probably going to see a lot of that uh, with, yeah. you know, hopefully with, with I mean, Hoybier will obviously be back. He was suspended this match. He's he's a part of this thing as well. And and hopefully Basuma can make his way back before the end of the year. We won't see Bentoncourt, but um, hopefully there's a little bit of depth there to, to, to go around, but yeah, we're going to see a lot more of these two guys. Hopefully they can continue to grow. And I think um, this performance on a, on a setting like this, you know, you're, you're playing in the champions league in the knockouts. I mean, that is a, that is something to note. So I'm, I, I can, I can come away and with some appreciation for the job that the midfield did. Um, let's move on to that back line because you mentioned that as well. And I, <laughs> I really just want to continue to pick on Christian Romero because this was another instance of me just being completely unsure if he is, he is the guy Uh, everyone has been really comfortable with just saying, well, we've got Romero, but we've got to build the, the, the center backs around him. I'm still not sure because the goal that was given up in this game, I think he is mostly at fault for and Honestly, I don't think he should have been on the pitch after receiving the yellow card. That's a red card for me every day. The brash challenges, the bookings, which we've talked about this ad nauseum over the last few weeks. It's the reason he was suspended uh, last weekend against Leicester and kind of the reason that I think this team suffered so badly with having to play Tanganga in his spot. Um, I just Romero continues to raise eyebrows in a negative way for me. Yeah, I mean... He's a very talented player. I think there's a huge asterisk next to him for me, and there always has been, because he's a right center back in a three very effectively. There's questions about can he play in a four? I don't know. He has for Argentina effectively in the World Cup, especially, you know, he did a few times, but it seems like he's suited to a three and in that three, he's not the guy that you want dictating the shape and the movement, right? Dyer does a good job of that. Dyer doesn't defend as well in one-on-one situations, but he does understand when, when, what the shape should look like. 
Romero is not going to be that guy. And therefore I, I do, I don't know. I think my point is he's not going to be able to like slot into any team effectively. I don't think right because he's a very specific type of center back. Then I'm going to say what I always say, and it would just piss half this podcast off. But if when Tottenham signs a player that's supposed to be world-class, there's a reason that we were able to sign someone that was supposed to be world-class time and time again, I see it. So what I think kept the bigger, bigger fish in the sea away from Romero is what we're seeing every time he plays, which is that he's, he, he could very well cost the team because of his decision-making um, and that is something that big clubs just don't tolerate, right? The, the biggest of the big clubs just don't tolerate, right? Dakota will say Sergio Ramos. I do see to that because the dude like runs, you know, has the record for all time Reds, right? Whatever. There's going to always be an anomaly to everything that we discuss, but I think that's our issue with Romero, right? So um, he's going to have to work on it. I agree with you that that was a red card all day. I think he's very, I don't want to say very lucky, but the tackle that he made gave the ref a 50-50 decision. And that for me is unacceptable enough, right? He, he, he went in studs up when it was all said and done and you can't do that. Lucky to be on the field or, or at least an element of luck to, to him still being on the field. Um, yeah, I agree with you. I, I think Romero, the one thing he offers is the one thing that we didn't see against Lester. And that is the ability to have possession and push the ball forward. He does do that well. He he he's good in possession. He pushes the ball forward well. I think that if you had Romero available last weekend against Leicester, he's able to feed the ball more to Pedro Poro. This is something we talked about. When it's when he's playing with Emerson, who is less, you know, and I think Emerson had a decent game. I don't. I, he, he certainly wasn't as good as he was against City because he didn't have to be. Um, but you know, when you've got somebody who's lesser going forward, like Emerson, it, it doesn't show up as much. Romero can do things. It can, can produce almost offensively from the center back position in terms of starting counterattacks and, and getting the ball moving ahead in attack. But what we've seen from him in terms of the discipline stuff, and just in terms of, of some of the defending as well has just been bad. And, and the goal that was given up here, uh, in the sixth minute, I thought he was bad on. I thought he he got beat. Um, credit to Fraser, Fraser Forster for 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 doing what he could <laughs> to to keep that ball out. Uh, I'm not sure either what what Ivan Perisic was doing. Um, and he's the other player I, I wanted to kind of emphasize in this match. I thought I thought I thought Perisic. You know, I I feel a little bit bad digging out Ivan Perisic, who is a guy who is somehow older than me, but is playing in the Champions League at this level. And he looks like a guy that is older than me. And he looks like a guy that has been playing week in, week out and has not really had a break. You know, Ryan Sessegnon has had some time. Ryan Sessegnon is now obviously injured again. Um, and I don't say that flippantly. I, I feel bad for Ryan Sessegnon, but Ryan Sessegnon can't stay on the pitch. There's no rotation on that left side unless we're going to throw now Emerson Royale over there. And Parasic looks like a guy who has been played too much this season. He obviously had a, a, a run in the World Cup as well with Croatia. Um, he looks like a 34-year-old player who has been playing almost every minute this season, and that is unfortunate because he's pretty much the only option that they have on the left side at, at wing back right now. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think great player, has had a great career. Um, you know, like you said, he's at the tail end of it, and 
he's at being asked to do a lot right now. He was going to going to rotate very heavily this season, as we saw. Sessignon was getting getting the nod in, in more important matches, in my opinion, and actually most of the time. Um, my 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 biggest gripe with him is just the 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 defensive responsibility is just never as tight as it needs to be with him. Um, great player, but he just he loses his mark very often. He, he lost his mark that led to chaos in the box today on that goal after Romero got bodied. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I think he's a great player, but I, I question whether he's capable of playing wing back in the Premier League. And I know we're talking about a you know post match Champions League match right now, of course. But um, it's it's like you said, it's a tough ask of somebody who's at that stage in their career. I mean, this team is because they because of what happened with Matt Doherty at the end of the transfer window. This team is now one injury away. Uh, from at the wingback position from playing, you know, Emerson Royale on the left, Pedro Poro on the right. And thank goodness they got the Pedro Poro deal over the line. Otherwise, we'd t- be talking literally about them having just one wingback for each side. Um, but I mean, it, it might get to a point here if, if, if Ryan Sessnion can't make his way back within a reasonable amount of time. And again, they're saying it's six weeks with Ryan Sessnion, that could turn into eight, 10 weeks. And again, I, I, I'm not digging out Ryan Sessignon, but the thing I always say about this kid is that his best ability has to be his availability, and it hasn't been. Um, I mean, are, are we going to see Ben Davis playing wing back at one point? Jaffa Tanganga playing wing back at one point? I mean, these are the things that... I'm just that thinking we, that. These ben are the Davis. things that we could be looking at here uh, in the coming weeks if, you know, if Perisic needs a rest, and I think Perisic needs a rest. It's ironic to me that you know, Spurs went out and played against Man City now a week and a half ago, and it was coming off of an FA Cup match where they were able to rest a lot of their regular players. So the players were getting 10 to 14 days rest, and they came out and played what I think is their best game of the season. That's that's a big part of Tottenham, Tottenham Hotspur's season so far, is that, uh, like everyone, there's been too much football. There's a, There was a World Cup in the middle of this season. The fixtures in October were, were, were piled on. The fixtures in April are going to be piled on. A big part of this is when Spurs are able to get rest, they look pretty good. Otherwise, they look pretty pretty run through it. And at this point, I think we're going to, like kind of like we talked about the midfield, we're going to have to start getting these kinds of contributions from Saar and from Skip. I think we're going to have to start getting some contributions from guys that we don't won't expect to see in certain positions as well. Hundred percent. I mean, we're gonna have to get creative, which I don't know if Conte likes to do that, but we're gonna have to get creative because that's where we're at. I mean, we we have we have four key players who are out for two months, right? Probably the rest of the season when it really comes down to it. What the fuck are we gonna do? We don't have we don't have an option other than to figure that out, right? Transfer windows closed. It is what it is. So I, yeah, I mean, I think it could get, it could get real dicey. I think we both know that, um, but it could also not get dicey. And that's kind of what I'm, I'm calling on, you know, Conte and his team to figure out. That's fortunately not my fucking job. So I just podcast about it all. Yeah. I, you know, I think eventually Lucas Mora is going to be the left wing back if anything goes wrong. And that's just, just really, you know, I'll be ready for that shit. I've been waiting Uh, for that girl. Well, the last thing I want to touch on before we get out of here is just the, you know, the, the forwards, because they're, 
between I, I thought Kulisevsky looked about as bad as he's looked in a Spurs shirt today. He just looked off of it. He didn't seem like he had that Kulisevsky magic. And Youngman's son kind of looked like he's looked all season, just didn't really have much going for him. I thought Harry Kane was okay, um, holding up play pretty well. It was incredible to me that as much as Son and Kane were able to hold up play kind of in the midfield, they weren't able to draw a few more bookings um, out of Milan because there was a lot of kicking ankles and a lot of a lot of that going on, um, which maybe speaks to the to the same reason that Romero wasn't sent off for his challenge because the the officiating seemed to be kind of lenient today. But I don't know what what are you looking at with these these forwards, especially especially on the outside because we did see um, both Danjuma and Richarlison make appearances in this game. I don't know, man. I feel like. Maybe those guys should start a game or two here to give Kulisevsky and Son a breather. Um, it's West Ham on the weekend. Maybe that's the opportunity to to do something like that and mix it up because I, these guys just they they seem. I don't know that it's all poor system and poor um, you know poor service from the midfield and from the wingbacks for 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 these attackers. I, I feel like a lot of it could be fatigue as well. I mean, no question. I think it all compounds all of it, right? Um, I don't think the tactics are great. I think Sun and the, the tactics are off because of the play from the wings. And that's where I say it all compounds, right? Um, fatigue's part of it. Confidence is part of it. Sun is just lacking lacking energy and confidence. I think Kulisevsky is just lacking fitness probably at this point, right? That dude is as confident as ever, I think. As cool as a cucumber, but very confident at all times. So I think he just needs to get back to fitness. But we have to do something. You know, you've heard me say this in the chat at least today. But what's happening, and it's very obvious, and I'm sure Conte sees it. I'm not, like, saying that Conte doesn't. Of course he does. But Kane's having to, to get deep because there's this gaping hole that, you know, that's the attacking midfield portion of the field we would say right in between the midfielders and and the front three Kane's coming back to occupy this space which is fine I mean he's very good as a distributing holding forward but when the wings aren't firing they're not confident there's no end product right I think ideally the wings are going to come back and be more of the creative outlet Kane ends up doing it when it's just not happening right so when the wings are off Kane has to do too much there's no end product um and Conte is going to have to figure that out. So I don't know if it's start Dan Juma um, and Richarlison. I don't know if it's go for, for a three, five, two, which is honestly where I, what I would like to see. I would like to see him find a way to get either Kulisevsky or Dan Juma tucked behind Kane and Richarlison and just try to figure out some, some way to breathe some life into the attack at this point. Right. But um, yeah, something's going to have to change. And, and it seems like Conte is not going to change formation. And so, I think starting, you know, either Dan Duma or Richarlson alongside Kulisevsky might be a good first step. We'll have to see. It's um, <laughs> there's a lot to a lot to take in. This this it feels like I mean it's the middle of February and it feels like a slog already to the end of the season. Um, mm-hmm. It as, does. As we, yeah. Yeah. No, and I don't mean to to interrupt you, but before we go, I just I think it's worth pointing out, especially today. Well, in this formation, the cog is that is that midfield four, and they Perisic didn't have a great game, but the other three played pretty well in my opinion. Um, 
And because of that, when 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 three quarters of your most important piece of the formation plays well and you can't get anything done, I just think questions have to be asked. Right. It's I, I, I think what I'm trying to do is point out that my distaste with the tactics is beyond reactionary at this point. I, I, I do think that something is going to have to change. And today, I think, was was kind of that final final point in in me being ready to say you need to change the tactics now Conte something something has to be different right I think I've blamed poor play I've said the wingbacks weren't good enough I'd say okay the midfield needs to be a little bit more compact and stay in line I've even said the back line isn't compact enough for for the the midfield four to do its job but at this point everything has not worked right and there's there's been all these different angles and variations of why we want to say the tactics don't add up right but i just think the tactics don't add up at this point and that's something that's going to have to be addressed in my opinion if if we want to see our form change because i as as often happens against city we beat them and it papers over the cracks of a very poor run of form when you get down to it right or a poor enough run of form for questions to be asked so um something's going to have to change in my opinion it's going to have to change quickly if spurs uh want to do anything about this season of course we as we mentioned um second leg of this is not until march so we've got a couple of weeks until that uh march 8th in fact and um you know it's west ham on the weekend we we, we go from there it's there's these games are not going to stop just because it feels like the season is crumbling all around and there and then there are certainly um l- much larger questions to be asked about about antonio conte himself you know back in italy today made some comments about uh you know, it being home and, and perhaps wanting to return there eventually. And I, I think all of this stuff is going to, going to work itself out over the next few months. Uh, and there's a much larger, a much, much larger conversation to be had about all of it. Um, but you know, until then <laughs> we're just going to kind of be left in, in what feels like a little bit of purgatory for the rest of the season, I think. Um, Cause it doesn't, this does not feel like last season where there was, really something to go after. And I'm not trying to be all doom and gloom here. I mean, as we, as we talked about at the weekend, Spurs are still right in the mix for champions league places. Um, they're obviously still in this champions league tie that we've spoken about here today and, uh, and still in the FA cup as well. And that's coming up here in a few weeks. Um, that one's on uh, March 1st, a week before that, that champions league tie is the next uh, FA cup round against Sheffield United. So a lot still to play for, but it also feels like, uh, it, it feels a lot like we're waiting for some other shoe to drop that may or may not drop uh, until for, for another few months. So uh, we'll be yep. back at the weekend to talk about it all after West Ham. Uh, that should be <laughs> lively as it usually is. Uh, Scott is at DSM Spurs. You can follow me at Asetka. Follow us at Tottenham Depot. Uh, thanks for joining us on this little pop-in pod. Uh, again, we'll be back with you on the weekend. As always, come on you Spurs. Thank you so much for stopping by the Tottenham Depot. Thanks to Scott Bird for our intro music, as well as the tunes you are hearing right now. Thanks to Dakota Booth for our artwork. Thank you as well to our spouses who put up with our obsession with this football club and for all that they do. And thanks to you, the listener, who really makes this happen. Supporters make this club, and you, the listener, are what make this podcast possible. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Tottenham Depot, and as always, come on, you Spurs.